Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is David Walker, and on today's podcast, I've got two special guests. Uh, we've been trying to put this together for a while. Really excited to have him on. Uh, the first one, he hasn't been on the show before. You guys have undoubtedly seen him on social media. Uh, he is the new head guy over at Atlanta Falcons. He's doing, been doing a fantastic job there. Uh, Scott Bear. Scott, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, man. Thank you uh, for having me. And it feels like Feel this, I feel like we've already gotten to know you so well because I, was, I told Tori that, that 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 we were going to bring this up, and I'm going to do it right off the top and embarrass the heck out of you. Oh boy! Uh, we do this in the press box as we see all these kind of you know fan influencer tweets come across, and yours like legitimately make us laugh out loud, especially when you are like going to the freezer for more vodka. It's not <laughs> the game. So so you are a popular oh, guy in row two of the Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Stadium press box. Uh, we definitely get a kick of that uh, in-game dose of uh, reality. <laughs> it's just like so creative. Like legit, the other night, like Scott was like, like, "Did you see this tweet?" And he's like turning his computer. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's great stuff. We love it." Yeah. And then I said, "I'm gonna embarrass the heck out of David on the podcast." Oh man. <laughs> so my goal here is complete. Thank you very much for the time. I'm out of here. <laughs> You're stuck with me the rest of the time. Oh. Scott's out. <laughs> I'm like blushing now, um, but thank you uh, for that, Scott. Uh, as you've undoubtedly heard, the other voice on the podcast is uh, Tori McElhaney, who is also with AtlantaFalcons.com. She's been on the podcast before. Tori, thank you for, for joining us again on the podcast. Oh my gosh. I There are very few podcasts outside of our own podcast that I <laughs> Falcons did. Final Whistle. Yeah, shameless plug for the Falcons Final Whistle pod. But there are truly like very few podcasts where I sit and I'm like, yes, anytime they want me to come on, I'm on. Like legitimately, whenever y'all call, I'm like, yep, that's going to be something that we do. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you feel the love in the room right I, now? This is Strong. fantastic. It's right a love now. fest for sure. <laughs> Like this is going to help, you know, offset the in-laws coming over. So that's uh, <laughs> like, this is, I'm all geared up now. I'm going to be going upstairs, high five and family. And they're going to look at me real sideways. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of like discombobulated. But thank you. Going for. I figured you want to get to some serious topics at some point. I'm not sure how much time you got. Uh, I don't know that our uh, listeners are used to serious topics. <laughs> Fair enough. That so, is true. I think this is, I don't know if this was the podcast or another podcast where I wrote the poem about Mike oh, Davis's quads. It was um, this one. Was it this one? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I know y'all have like a, a, a couple different ones. And so I was like, can't remember exactly which one about, but if that's like the cadence of like what this is, like I'm already looking forward to it. Oh, uh, we uh we play it loose and fancy free. So um, wherever you guys want to go with this, uh, you want you want to throw in literary uh, references, go for it. Um, all right, I'm gonna take us into our first 
topic because, well, I've already seen you both sort of address this and I want to put it in the podcast form as well. And I'm sure you guys will at some point. Um, the Falcons watched uh, another top corner enter the division in uh, Stefan Gilmore, who the Panthers traded for. And undoubtedly, you both uh, got interactions. We did as well, asking why did the Falcons not go? <laughs> it, all they gave up was a six-round pick. Why didn't they go after him? Um, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because it's sort of – I feel like anytime – a player with a recognizable name is on the market. We're hearing that sort of, you know, same sort of thing. But uh, Scott, I'll start with you here first, because I know you addressed it in uh, your mailbag. Um, so what are the realities that fans sort of need to remember with this team, where they are in the cycle of a new GM and new manager, um, and how that's going to influence what they do with, with players and with this roster? Yeah, I, I was really kind of – excited when somebody asked a question about it so I could clear the air as soon as humanly possible about the situation and what a shock like everything else in sports and I don't know, life I guess it comes down to money doesn't it and the Falcons don't have very much money to play with and they don't have a lot and they have a lot of immovable contracts with dead money next year and the question is, and where this team is in relation to trying to be competitive while not sacrificing anything for the future, two mm -hmm. quick points. Number one, draft assets are worth more than their weight in gold. And number two, they're not into rentals. So a six-round pick for Stefan Gilmore to play out the rest of this season and then go demand, according to Josina Anderson, $15 million per year. Mm -hmm. We all heard that, right? <laughs> uh, $15 million per year. Those things are cost prohibitive and generally prohibitive to what Terry Fontenot needs to do to build this team the right way, which is create a 53-man roster that has the depth to weather injuries and the top-tier talent that is affordable on rookie contracts to usher in a period of prolonged success. You cannot do that. If you go shopping at the jewelry store, <laughs> when you need to go put a quarter into the jewelry thing next to the gumball machine. And take that one, right? What an analogy. My gosh. That was oh, my great. Word. Scott. Oh, man. The second Red Bull was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> but that's, the, that's, that's kind of the Cliff's Notes version as I can explain it, Tori, did I miss something in there? You know, money and long-term vision, Stephon Gilmore, just he just didn't seem to fit despite the very, I mean, who wouldn't need Stephon Gilmore? Of course they're interested. Of course they need a cornerback now and into the future, but not this one at, and not at this time. Not at that price. Right. Tori, what do you think? I know, I know you directly saw people asking about it. Yeah, I, I had a couple people tweeting like I or the one tweet that I saw that I really was like, OK, I got to clear the air was the one where someone said uh, I thought the front office was better than this. Yes. And that immediately just like I was like, wait a minute, like do people not understand what the situation with the salary cap is? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I have beat this dead horse like over and over and over again in the last like year and and I think it was something that we've talked to Terry about where it's like he knew Arthur knew what the situation with the salary cap was coming in they understood it was going to be a challenge and even I remember back in February when I was with the athletic I wrote so many times it's like the Falcons are not going to be big players in free agency I yep. said that back in February and it, that's exactly what happened I was like you're gonna see the Falcons get a lot of mid-level vets on one-year deals 
And what did they go out and do? They got a bunch of mid-level bets on one year on one year deals. And so that doesn't change now that we've gotten to the season. Like I was saying, I tweeted, I was like, Carolina had like 19 million in cap space. Like the Falcons barely have two. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's it's one of those things. It's like I know the like when people see like that, you know, Gilmore was traded for a sixth round pick. Everybody's like, oh, that's all they got. No, no. They ha- also have to take on that base salary. The Falcons exactly. don't have the the ability to take on another big time salary like mm-hmm. that. They are kind of and another thing is they don't want to push any more money to 2022 that they already haven't pushed to 2022 because they absolutely had to. I mean, you know, namely Matt Ryan's contract. You know, that's yeah. that's a lot of money being pushed down the line. So they're in a tough spot. And I think when people kind of understand that there are a bunch of different pieces like working in this, that's, what's really, really important. That's what I was kind of hoping to kind of like get across when I was tweeting later, like this earlier this afternoon, I was just like, okay, let's, let's clear the air a little bit. Let's get into the nitty gritty of like why the Falcons cannot do this and why they won't be able to do this in 2021. Right. And I think the only thing I'll add is, I think the Falcons think they have a true number one cornerback on the roster right now in, oh, that yeah. is growing. It's AJ Terrell. Yeah. They think this guy is going to be a really good player for a long time. And when you're talking about roster building, you know, you want to have a pro bowler at every single spot, but realistically it, you have a cornerback one and you have a cornerback two. And that guy that's number two, you want him to be good, but you're not always necessarily looking for two of the absolute best corners in the league. And you have to be choosy about where you're spending your money because you can't pay everybody. Um, and as good as Gilmore is right now, I think it's the smart move to stick with the young kid that you took in the first round, let him continue to develop. I think he's already looked really good this year. Oh, yeah. um, and I don't even know that it was a big need. You know, we need a cornerback three, someone to take over for Isaiah Oliver. That's a different conversation though. Stephen Gilmore is not going to, Stephon Gilmore is not going to come in to be cornerback three. He's not coming in to be our slot corner at this point. Yeah, I, I, I loved Arthur Smith said this a couple weeks ago at a press conference and it really stuck with me because team building, I, I get real nerdy with, with, with that stuff and all the points that you just made. He said, the reason why I like the NFL the most as compared to especially the, the other sports without a salary cap or college football where you can go out and just you can be Alabama or Georgia and collect as many five-star guys as you can possibly get. And that's your right. And that's how you go dogs and stay elite. Right. But it's about being able to do the best with the resources that you have. Right. And that's what the NFL is about. And you have to try to put this jigsaw puzzle together. And while to your point, which was a good one, everybody wants 22 pro bowlers, right. Or 25. But the fact of the matter is you have to figure out guys that can meld in there. You have to be, especially at the position that the Falcons are in, you have to let your drafted assets develop and see what you have before Mm -hmm. you continue to fill those in. Um, So for all those reasons, obviously Stefan Gilmore, not a good option. I know because he went to the NFC South and he went to a team that wasn't thought to be a a title contender. Everybody scratched their head and say, why not us? Right. I feel like we get these questions every time. I think I got a couple of Jalen Smith questions earlier uh, today. And anytime anybody's on the trade block, it's like, why can't we? And you know what? That's fine. Dream, hope, get into it. Wonder how that's going to fit. But then once you do that, right, then you got to come back to reality. So I guess that's (laughs) what we're doing right now. This is, this is the, Falcoholic, AtlantaFalcons.com reality check. 
yes. <laughs> on Gilmore and, uh, you know, how they're going to navigate uh, the rest of the season. Yeah. Cue the, the womp womp noise at this point. Womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm like the sound effect. Yeah, I'm the sound effect uh, guru for our <laughs> podcast and then also just like our daily lives. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, fantastic. All right. We're through four games, which last year would have been a quarter of the season, but we're dealing with a prime number, 17, and we're it's like 23.5%. <laughs> we're going to talk anyways about the first quarter of the season. I know there's a game coming up, um, but you know we, we've sort of, all of us have you know, beat to death each individual game and, and the performances and whatnot. I feel like we now have an idea of some trajectories. You know, it's a, an NFL team is not defined simply by where they are in their last game. It's who's growing, who's getting better, what guys are beginning to deliver versus the early part of the season. Um, so I want to start on the defense uh, because this is actually, I think, the unit that is getting hammered the most by fans. And at the same time, I think they're maybe better than some people realize. They clearly yeah. have – I don't want to pretend that this is a top-10 defense. No, no, um, no. Like, we're not here to blow smoke. But there are some players who are stepping up. There's some guys who are beginning to develop. And I want to focus on that. So first, let's start at the top. Dean Pease, who um, I will run through a wall. Man, you and me oh, both. Boy. Holy you, let's, let's get on this topic. <laughs> let's do this. I can talk. Scott knows I can go on and on and on about Dean Pease. I truly can. Oh, I'm he, just going to kick back for a while and let you guys. <laughs> um, his pressers are like you talked about like Red Bull. His pressers are digital Red Bull, like <laughs> injected into Amazing. my veins, man. Um, and he's what I think he's 71, 72 years old. He is yeah. sharp as any coach in the league. Like he is on top of it. You don't see this guy. I feel like he's running like five miles a day. He's lapping young kids in the parking lot. And, um, anyhow, what do you guys think of the job that Pease has done so far? It's a big lift to be clear. Like he came in with just a few pieces that, you know, a few talented guys, a lot of young guys. Um, Tori, I'll, I'll let you start first since you're a, a fellow run through the wall for Dean Pease person. Um, what do you think of what he's done so far, given what he inherited? Right. I think that's that's the biggest like caveat of it is like understanding what he inherited and, and what he had to work with. And for me, I was I was also in the camp where I was like, I don't really know what this defense is going to be. I don't know how there, I, I was like, I don't know how Dean's scheme is going to translate to to this group specifically. Mm-hmm. But what I will say that has I have been really impressed by, and this is something that I kind of like knew about Dean Pease coming in, but actually seeing it play out has been really interesting. It's the flexibility of which he has within his own scheme. He Mm -hmm. has spoken on this topic so many times where he's like, I'm not going to do anything that a player can't handle. Like I have to understand what, how, like the threshold of what a player can kind of put on his shoulders and carry. And, And it was really fascinating to me how when he was talking about week one and he was talking about that game against the Eagles and he made the comment, he was like, I reevaluated what I was putting in after week one, because I was giving them too much. He was like, I was putting too much on them. I was expecting too much. He was like, it was, 
scheme wise, he was like, I put a lot on their plate and it was, and he was like, and they weren't ready for that yet. So instead of just kind of as an, you know, you think like a 70, 72 year old coach who's been doing this for as long as Dean Pease is doing this to just be like, yo man, like get yourself together and go out and perform in my scheme the way I want you to. That is not Dean Pease at all. Dean Pease is very much a, here's what I'm thinking what can you do? Let's figure out what you can do. And then I'll adjust as I see fit, how you can, you know, perform better in this scheme. And I think that is something that I've been very, very impressed with, with Dean Peace specifically. And I think for somebody like a, like a Dante Fowler, who I think we are seeing be more productive in, I, I really Absolutely. think it's because of this scheme. And, and I really do think it's because of Dean Pease kind of sitting there and being like, where can I put Dante Fowler? What positions can I put Dante Fowler in to succeed? And I think we are seeing that week in and week out, because I do think that Dante Fowler is being more productive. I think I said this earlier to Scott, I was like, oh, I think Dante yeah. is legit like a half second away on a lot of these moments in these games where it's the difference between like a sack for a loss of six yards and the quarterback escaping. Mm -hmm. the, and that's another thing that I can go on and on about is like how Dean was kind of teaching us about how, you know, the initial pressure is one thing, but you got to protect the escape with these running quarterbacks. And he, he was really talking about how he's pleased with the pressure. And a lot of times it's Dante getting the pressure, but then mm -hmm. there's no one to kind of hold up the escape. And, and that, I, I'm rambling because I could, I feel like I can talk about this all day long, but it's just like some of these things I really go into Dean P's press conferences every single time. And I learn something every single time. And it, it I, I'll say this, like as a journalist, like, you know, and somebody who works in sports, like sometimes I think we forget, like, sometimes it gets like into the humdrum of mm -hmm. sports and you're just kind of going in and out of each day and you're not, you're, you know, you're doing what you need to do to get by and, and writing what you need to write. That's relevant. But every single time on Dean P's day, I always feel a certain like rejuvenization because I know I'm going to learn something I didn't know about the game. And that is, oh. that's so oh, nice. I know, I know. I hope Dean <laughs> listens to this because I'm just like being so nice, but it's so true. Like, I, and maybe it's because like my dad was a defensive coordinator. So I just like geek out over like defensive schemes, but I, I just, I, I can say so many nice things about Dean Pease. And I know that there are a lot of people who uh, are upset or angry about how this defense is performing. But like, I think we have, again, like reality check, like we got to understand like the situation and what Dean Pease inherited and kind of, understanding like there's a lot of work to be done yeah yeah and 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 that i think is an important point in that sometimes there there is uh maybe not a disconnect but i know i wrote it i know tori wrote it that dean pease was the best defensive addition of the offseason right sure yep. and i still buy it and i still stand by that but that doesn't mean that he pulled out you know, a magic wand waved it, said Expelliarmus, and everything like magically <laughs> worked out, right? Nobody caught a Harry Potter reference. You know? I got it. Uh, I completely got it. Uh, but but anyway, that, that he wasn't just that week one, he wasn't just going to be able to fix everything that was wrong with the previous Falcons defenses. Tori made a great point that um, that she wondered whether the skill sets and talents were going to match that scheme. And it's going to take a while to assemble the collection of talent that's going to work. And they're going to have to get used to what Dean is calling. And 
blah, blah, blah. I do want to get to one quick anecdote. I thought Tori summed Dean up very well, but it's this, is that his press conferences, I do feel like I learned something. There was a point, so uh, we, Tori and I don't sit next to each other in the press conferences. He's like behind me and to the left. And at one point he was talking about, um, I think he was talking about pressures and I picked up my phone and I was not tweeting. I texted her in the middle of a press conference and I hit up and I hit all caps like a nerd. And I just said, he is such a good coach, right? Because he was talking about letting his guys develop, not being arrogant and overloading them. Or if something doesn't work, he immediately changes it, right? That he's trying to teach these guys. He is a teacher. And that I found so interesting. Um, and I'm a big believer in yards don't matter points do. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of that is hanging out with him, right? That he's, <laughs> yeah. that he's been so um, good in scoring defense. And I think even if his, the numbers don't skew that way, it's one of those things where like, okay, let's, let's all take a breath before we say this defense will be terrible forever or right. that, yes. to the past, that this is a new element, a, a new variable that we need to see develop. Yeah, and I think there's signs of things that we've we've seen where this team has gotten key third down stops, mm -hmm. key fourth down stops. Yeah, um, we've seen them against the Giants close out a game and shut down a critical drive. Those are things to build on. And where the coach is concerned, um, you look for a coach number one that brings in a relevant scheme. Is he running something that is relevant to today's NFL? And he absolutely is. Um, number two, does he maximize the talent he's given? He can't turn a scrub into a pro bowler. Like that's, you know, I, I just think there's limitations on what players can become, but does he maximize the talents they have? And I, I think we're beginning to see that, that he is aiming towards that. And then, as you just said, I think it's the perfect thing. Is he a teacher? Is he someone that's going to progress these guys? He's going to take them from one level to the next as you know, he has time with them. But I think the last part is time. Like mm -hmm. he, you know, people look at Tampa Bay and they, they this team, last year was not good in the first part of the season. And, and people forget that because they had new players, a new coach or not a new coach, but they had a new quarterback. Uh, people had to learn what was going on and things didn't really start to click for them until later in the season. And the Falcons have essentially overhauled the entire coaching staff, many of their players, many of their starters. They have a lot of young guys. Um, I, I think some of this is just a patience thing. And, you know, in the, in the era of Madden, it's easy to say, oh, well, this guy's got a score of 75. Who should be being, playing better than this? I'm like, that is not how this works. You know, yeah. that some of this is you got to figure out how your guys work on the field at full speed. And even the preseason, you know, I, I do not want to rehash the whole play them in the preseason argument. But even the preseason is not going to show these guys what a real NFL game is like for 60, 70 snaps that they have to be on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and something that I'll add about this is a name that consistently comes up when talking about the defense is Richie Grant. I think yes. a lot of people oh, are asking, why are we not seeing Richie Grant? Richie Grant, Richie Grant. And I, I, there are so many times where I just want to be like, let this kid develop. Mm -hmm. Let him learn this defense. Let him have his this developmental time. Let him have this, this time. Not everyone's going to be a Kyle Pitts that they come out and immediately start in this league and have defenses account for him every single time he steps foot on the field. There are a lot of guys out there who are like a foyer 
who come in and have to develop in, into a into a guy. The best example is Isaiah Oliver. Jeez, oh, this, absolutely. Like the the this entire the last like what two years, Isaiah Oliver has been a punching bag, like legitimately. And he even I mean he would even say that too. You know, like I had a conversation with him two weeks ago. And he was, we were talking about his journey and everything. And, and it's really, you know, it's unfortunate that he's hurt and that we're not going to get to see him again, but that's such a great example of like giving guys time to develop, to figure out like what they can make themselves in this league. And that's something that I think like Dean P specifically understands. He talked, he's talked about it a couple of times. And so I think like for a guy like Richie Grant, that is somebody that people are asking about. It's like, Maybe he's not a rookie year standout guy. Maybe he's he's a year three, year four guy who can come in and just be his own player and and play the way that you want him to. And and I think like, that's okay. Like, I think we are, so we're in this like instant gratification type of society anyways, like not to get all like societal and philosophical and all that, but like, (laughs) that's what we're living in. But we also have to be realistic and understanding like not everyone's journey is like that. Yeah. I always like to point out um, former uh, UGA player, Justin Houston uh, did not get to double digit sacks until year three in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these guys just need time and they're not a bust after four games. Stop, take a step (laughs) back, have some battery acid, get a vodka, mix it together, head to the fridge. Folks, just calm down. Like I get it. I'm a fan. Like I've watched this team since 1980. Like literally the first game I remember was the Falcons losing a playoff game to the Cowboys. So like, just blessed. (laughs) That was foreshadowing, but anyhow, this is like this. If there's one thing I've realized many of these things, what you see initially is rarely a predictor for what you're going to get in long-term. The Falcons 2015 season is a perfect example. People remember the fantastic 2016 offense. Go back and watch 2015. It was dreadful. There was a stretch in the season where they could barely get over 18 points a game. And that was Kyle Shanahan, who many people now consider to be one of the most brilliant offensive minds in football. And yet it still took him a full season to get installed what he wanted to get installed. So I don't want to hammer on this too much. And Scott, I feel like we're, I want to get your voice on this podcast, man. (laughs) I want to get your energy on here. Well, um, I, I, it's it's so hard to get a word in edgewise when we're talking about these. <laughs> it really it is. Really is. Uh, so how about hard. this? How about uh, how about let me play voice of the fan here, just just for devil's advocate's <laughs> sake. Is that when you're in a when you're in a period where you are building, right, or you're struggling? I, I think the baseline when it comes to an NFL football fan is, did I waste my Sunday or not? Right, uh. because. If like if you're gonna lose and you're gonna uh, spend a bunch of money on like seven layer dip and uh, thirty six <laughs> pack of Bud Light, right? Like <laughs> you, like you want to feel like you, you gain something positive out of that experience, even if it isn't in the final score. So the reason why I say that is if is if fans feel like okay, like I, I'm not gonna launch the quarterback argument, but if if they're going to watch a team lose, can they watch a team 
can they watch a quarterback develop? Okay. Right. So, so the reason why Richie Grant is important is because he's a second round pick and fans want to see their guy develop or see their guy in action to see, do we have the next Earl Thomas or not? We don't know, <laughs> right? That, that, that those are the types of motivations that they're talking about. I'll take a brief, uh, interlude into my coverage of the Raiders in 2014. Okay. They went 0 10. They finished three and 13. Okay. Awful season, brutal. Uh, somebody buried a football at some point to try <laughs> to encourage the team. It was still out there. I think it's still in Oakland somewhere. Anyway, uh, that team was, it's really good. Uh, that team was brutal to watch, brutal to watch, but the Derek Carr was our second round pick. He started from week one. Khalil Mack was our first round pick. He was a, a force right away. Their right guard was a starter and their seventh round pick was a starting nickelback. The reason why I say all that is through all the losing, they could take a look at those pieces and say, dude, we got something. I know yep. we got something here and they can hold on to that. Right. What they don't want to have is to go through the season. It struggles. You feel like we got something in, in Kyle Pitts, but we have no idea what we have in Richie Grant, Drew Dahlman, uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield, we sort of know, but like you can go on and on down the draft selections and you wonder what do we have? Yes, there's time to develop. Yes, everything that we're saying is totally and completely rational, right? <laughs> patience, patience, patience. But it, but at the same time, you want to, you want these little things to cling towards, right? And I, I think that that's what fans are grasping at that. They're like, Hey, if we're not going to be competitive in this game, if, if the outcome didn't come, all right, do we see progress, right? Like, yeah. do we see progress in, in Kyle or progress in, in Jalen or progress in the overall vision of this team? And when the answer is no, they get mad and I can't get mad at them for getting mad. Right. It, it makes sense, even though they're not playing the long game, right. Cause they just want to have fun on a Sunday. Um, and those are conflicting visions that often bring a fan base at odds with the team that they love. Um, it's also what makes for great debate at times like this. Oh, yeah. Um, which is fine. There's no wrong. Being irrational about sports, I don't know. It's a very <laughs> rare place where you can just go ahead and let it loose, whether your opinion matters or not. You know, uh, we're trying to bring higher level discourse here, failing sometimes, but nonetheless, so I think sometimes even though we know what's the right answer, I think that we can also say fans of the Falcoholic fans of the final whistle. We, but like, we get you right. Like we yeah, understand yeah, what you're saying and hopefully here's a piece of information that makes you think about it a little bit differently. So, mm -hmm. you know, I went all deep there. No, it's you're, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, but yeah, as we go through this quarter Polish and, um, uh, analysis right it's good to keep those things in mind right mm -hmm. why fans think this way why we're totally absolutely 110 percent right uh and why they <laughs> might butt heads with us you know and i'm fine with all of it <laughs> well you know I, I said this uh this week that the nfl wants fans to be emotionally invested in their teams that's mm -hmm. you know that is part of the product they want you rooting for your team every week the last thing they want is indifference. Like mm -hmm. if you're mad at your team, that's fine. If you're happy with your team, that's fine. If you're indifferent to your team, that yeah. is a bad place to be. Um, so I have no problem with fans being upset. Like they want the Falcons to win. And when they don't win, it, it makes them mad. And I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, it made me mad. And, uh, you know, this is part of what it means to be a fan of sports, but I love a lot of what you had to say. And I want to apply that to the offense 
But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. I am here with Scott Bear and Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com. Scott is smiling because we did our break and he realized it lasted all three seconds. But <laughs> yeah, for those true. of you listening, there was there's probably a commercial in between. Um, buy whatever they were selling. Yeah. <laughs> Use that coupon code. Uh, we've talked about the defense and I wanted to save the offense for the second half because whew, this <laughs> is, I think, where we are getting some of the hottest takes. Um, you know, let's just start with Arthur Smith. He was brought in the first offensive minded head coach in the past three hires for the Falcons. Um Highly, highly esteemed for what he did in Tennessee over the past two years. And I'm already hearing, oh, he was only clearly he was only successful because he had Derek Henry. Um, I which, roll emoji. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Arthur Smith is four games in. Um, and I feel like just my perspective, I'm going to get this one off, um, off of my chest first. Uh, as a head coach, he has some things to learn. He has never been a head coach before. Um, some of this stuff he was not going to know on day one. And some of this is him learning his roster, learning his players, learning what they are capable of, uh, what situations they're ready for. And sometimes that learning process means failures. It means things not going the way you want them to. Um, simultaneously, uh, your coach can also put you in a good situation and as players, you have to execute. Um, and I don't think he should be held accountable for everything he will he will be ultimately just like a quarterback is fair or not fair um but at the same time his players have to deliver when he puts them in a position to succeed and i feel like we've seen a mix of that from the offense in the first four games and in my mind i think this is actually an offense that's beginning to make progress and i think we saw it uh, a little bit against the buccaneers i think we saw a lot of it in this game. And Scott, I want to start with you here first. Uh, what is your overall assessment of where the offense stands today? And really the, the job that uh, Coach Smith is doing, not just as an offense coordinator, but as the head coach. Okay. Um, I like where this conversation is going. We're staying at, in theory, high-level discourse. So I'll make another bad pop culture reference. Uh, <laughs> it's common, trust me. Uh, but in terms of where the offense is, I think that it's 
starting to get into the right spot. I think we're learning uh, really quickly that the quarterback is not the problem here. The quarterback is an asset here. I've only seen him work for one year, but the guy is a true pro and has the discipline that is required and often drives fans insane um, to, to keep this offense going, despite the fact that it's still progressing as an offensive line. And I'm going to write about this for the website on Friday that uh, the rushing efficiency, right? It's, it's got to go up. It right. just does. And that's not on Mike Davis. It's not on uh, Cord- uh, Cordero Patterson, not on Wayne Gaultman. It's not on Arthur Smith. It's on everybody. That, mm-hmm. that has to get better for this offense to function well. I think that's the next big step. It's a big one. Uh, But nonetheless, they have to get that going to find the balance where Arthur Smith's offense runs like it should. There are going to be growing pains. You cannot look at the 2020 Titans and then look at the 2021 Falcons and expect all things to be equal. One, there are talent disparities at certain positions that are super Mm -hmm. obvious. There's also, to your point, there's learning a scheme and learning what to do when, uh, when when it's crunch time and when it's under pressure. And all those things, I think, will develop over time. I have very little doubt in my mind that, and this was misinterpreted when Matt said this in week one, this this team, this offense will be better in October and November than it is now. Now, everyone took that to mean we're going to suck for a while, y'all. And that's not really what he was saying, but we will see continued progress. Thing that I like about Arthur Smith, um, I know Tori is a, is a Dean Pease stand <laughs> I, i'm quickly just sitting it in every press conference it may not be the type of man I'm, I'm taking furious notes about football here as it is with dean but i really like the way that arthur handles his press conference win yeah. lose or draw the uh the we're not going to be victims here was great the, yeah. the one i brought up before is maximizing your resources was great and talking to him about rushing efficiency about short yardage even about the play calling in that fourth quarter three play series that has drawn so much ire towards him. He has a little code phrase, right? When he says it's all fair, what he's telling the reporters and fans is you want to criticize me. Okay, cool. Right. It didn't work out. Tell me, you know, don't tell me what else that you should have done, but all's fair when things don't work out in this league. And one, and he said it um, in front of camera uh, several times in that, If you got thin skin, if you can't take the second guessing, if you're not confident in what you do, and the big thing he said on Monday was that you're not going to keep doing the same thing uh, over and over that isn't working and expecting different results, right? (laughs) That at some point you got to stop banging your head against the wall. So that's the adaptability. All those things come together and make me think, David, you are right. There's learning points to being a head coach. There will be growth periods and growing pains there. Uh, but I, I fully, I'm fully confident that he's going to develop into the type of coach that you're going to want. I I think, uh, I think Arthur blank should be proud of this hire, the way that he handles the media, the way that he handles his team. Um, I, and the, and the tone that he has set, that doesn't mean back to the magic wand thing. It doesn't mean everything is just going to magically sprinkle some pixie dust or whatever. And everyone's going to fly. Um, but we're going to get there. (laughs) Uh, I think I have a lot of confidence in that guy. I, uh, I'm with you, and but uh, do you have a butt here? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, I was going to parlay that mm-hmm. into Dean Pease and uh, hand it over to Tori because one of the things that stands out to me is Dean Pease came out of retirement, um, 
in part because he liked the idea of working with Arthur Smith. And I feel like when we're in the mix of losing games and struggling in those games, we forget a lot of the things that gave us optimism coming in. And those things are still relevant. Now, you know, two, three years from now, if we're still talking about this stuff, you know, obviously something's probably gone wrong. Right. Uh, he has to earn it over time. Um, but there is a lot of reason to think that Arthur Smith, because of the faith that many coaches have given and put in him over the years, yeah. is going to get better. He is going to grow. He's going to become the kind of head coach that we want for this team, mm-hmm. um, even if the offense isn't immediately delivering. And by the way, I do want to point this out. Um, massive difference, I think, in the offense this past week. Matt Ryan was consistently challenging downfield, which was not something mm-hmm. we saw in the first three games. He was consistently going big air yards. Now, they didn't all work for various reasons, but he had the time and the opportunity to do it. In my mind, that's a massive step forward for what this offense wants to do as well. So, Tori, I want to hand it to you. Um, same question, same sort of philosophy. Uh, where do you see this offense right now? Do you see the growth? Do you feel like there is progress being made? And maybe where do you think that they still uh, have some weaknesses or things that need to get better as the season goes on? Yeah, I've been to your point about Matt Ryan kind of being able to take those downfield shots. uh, Truly, this offensive line, I know it's not sexy to talk about offensive line. And I know a lot of people kind of tune out when you start talking about those guys up front, but you do have to give them credit where credit is due that we have seen them take steps in the right direction from where this group was in week one to where they are now heading into week five. I think there has been very obvious, very obvious steps taken. I mean, if we just want to go into like Matt's protection, I, I think Matt has been, especially in week four, this past week, he was pr- pretty well protected against a a Washington front that a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for coming into one of the best game. Right, exactly. And and so I think that should be commended. I think that is something that we have seen an active step be taken in the right direction. Now, the other side of the coin is (laughs) run blocking and being able to, Matt Ryan talked about it today, being able to get these running backs to the second level of the defense. That is something that this team has to do. They're well aware they have to do it. Uh, but, but to, to the point of this offense getting where it wants to go, something that I know Scott and I have talked a lot about, and this pertains to Arthur Smith and, and the language that he uses when he's talking to us in these press conferences is, he, I, I always feel like he's incredibly self-aware. It, it, you know, you talk about like the, him saying like, you know, that's fair, everything's fair and, and so on and so forth. There have been a few times where he candidly has said like, I need to go back and look at that. Or there are, like, there are some things that I would have done differently. To, so to the point of this offense growing and getting better, Arthur Smith is growing and getting better. And he's very, I think, aware in his self-evaluation of, of being able to do that. And I think that's where you are really confident in the long, in kind of the long game of Mm -hmm. this and understanding that he's going to get where he needs to go. And you would think when Arthur Smith gets where he wants to be, this offense is not far behind. And so that to me is kind of where my head is. And I, I do think that you take that Washington game and you 
put it side by side with that Philadelphia game. Oh. And you do it, it to me. I mean, when I break it down and I went back and watched that Philadelphia game, I was having a hard time really taking anything good from it, to be completely honest. I took a lot of good from that Washington game, even though the score was what it was. I did take a lot of good out of what the offense was was able to do. Granted, you take that with a grain of salt and know that there are some things that didn't work out. But for the most part, I think you can see that steps are being taken in the right direction. And I think Arthur Smith is not just saying that when he says it in his press conferences, I do believe him that they are seeing development. They are seeing things start working the way they want it to. Yeah. <clears throat> the offensive line, we, we've, we've heard a lot about that. And I, I think we have to put some things back in context. Like Philadelphia last year had the number one pass rush in the league. Mm-hmm. The number two pass rush, their week two opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, one of the best defensive lines in football, Washington. Um, they've sort of had a murderer's row in the trenches for an offensive line that is featuring two new starters on the interior, one of which is a rookie who has never played that position before and who really was only in the position because the presumed starter got injured in the first week of practice. Yeah, he didn't even – I mean, he was playing right tackle. Like half through of the training preseason. camp. Right. Yeah, through training camp, he was playing right tackle, and that's where he was getting all of his snaps. And then mm, two weeks before the season starts, it's like, all right, he's going inside, like he's going to left guard. And, and that's kind of how that happened. I think, I know we've talked to Jalen a few times about, uh, and I will say this, to Jalen's credit, you very rarely see somebody who blatantly said, I got embarrassed week one, and I want to make sure that I never get embarrassed like that again. Like, I, I've interviewed a lot of players, and I don't think I've ever heard that quote before. And he said it a week ago. And I think like he has really taken ownership of his personal development. And, and you think like, like what you said, this is a guy who has not played that position, who is not even in college. Not even in college. Yeah. Like there's a lot of things, even like the, um, we were talking to him about like the mirroring of his footwork and how, like, according to what side you're on is like how, I mean, you really got to think about it. This is like muscle memory that this guy is having to kind of like reevaluate. So while I, he's I, going up against Fletcher Cox. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Or Vita Vea or Indomitian Sue. Yeah. Just there go down little, the line. Like there are little notes that sports writers over the years that, that, that give you indicators about what type of a character and what type of a professional that you're dealing with mm-hmm. that you have to evaluate in, in addition to the talent that you see on tape and that fancy it at home. And one thing is not how they do with the media. Like who, like part of it is who, who cares, but after that game one uh, loss where he really struggled, we're in the pandemic setting where there's no open locker room. I can't go sit at his locker for one hour and wait and get a quote from him, but he came out right. And stood there and took very tough questions. This kid who's never played a professional game at that position. He stood up there. He took questions. He evaluated himself honestly, and he promised to not stop working. And then he comes back and, and he says he's hell bent on not getting embarrassed again. 
right? It's not about how he dealt with the media there, but it's about his character and his willingness to be accountable both to the public. And if he's doing that in front of the fans, he's doing that in front of his position coach and the veterans around him. And those are the types of things that you want to see. And if you can add that type of a personality and character trait to a little bit of talent, then you feel like you've got something there. And Mm -hmm. that's why I, and like Chris, like Chris Lindstrom, Chris Lindstrom is another guy, right? He's one of those staples, right? And you see he, him doing the same type of thing. I look at this offensive line and I'm, I'm a little harder greater because they got three first round picks there. They they've invested heavily in this position, especially in 2019. And do they have a line that looks like they have three first round picks? Have they developed that way? Probably not. If if we're being honest, it doesn't mean that they can't get to that point. doesn't mean that I don't have any faith that they can. It just means that I think for one reason or another, they're a little behind schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And from that vantage, it's about catching up and it's about protecting your prize assets. Um, So I do think, and behind schedule, it's tough because you have a new regime change in, in the middle. Terry and Arthur didn't draft these guys. They came from a previous regime. They're now working in two different schemes. But nonetheless, uh, I think this line has to be better, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a matter of how they can get there. This is where this is where the position coaches, whose names you may not know, uh, this is where they earn their paycheck, right? Yes. Is on these practices, this is where they earn their paycheck. And progress, like, I like to think – of it like like you're in the mud and you have a heavy weight attached to you and you're crawling and scratching, right? Mm-hmm. That that's how progress is made. And at times you slip, right? And then you go a little bit farther backwards, but you keep crawling and scratching. If you were to show that effort it. with time-lapse photography, it would look pretty cool, right? And all the fans <laughs> would, like, would be super excited to watch that thing happen, right? But nobody's excited to watch you get your fingernails dirty. And that's mm-hmm. what Dwayne Ledford is doing with this offensive line right now. He's getting his fingernails dirty and it's coming in slow, minuscule points. But when you're at this point and you're a fan, bust out the magnifying glass, dude. Like, like look at those types of things and see how those little things develop and what they can mean for your team. Yeah. Um, it's boring, right? We're talking about offensive line and slow painful in- increment <laughs> that's what you have to do right like that's what you have to do and uh you know let your nerd flag fly when it comes to these things uh dive yeah. into the analytics buy game pass and try to pick it out try to see which guys stand out which like which guys are at the interview podium each week even when the times are tough which guys are getting better incrementally and which guys keep standing up uh those things are important uh, even for those guys without stats yeah i God, I love it. Um, progress is not a straight line. It is peaks yeah. and valleys at, that moves up and down. And you've got to look over the long haul. Um, I will say this because I'm actually, uh, Gina and I are both quite passionate about offensive line play, which again is not sexy, but whatever. Uh, and the footwork is key. Uh, one of the things I noticed in that first Philadelphia game, Jalen uh, got beat with speed. And he got beat with power. Um, one thing I noticed in Washington, he wasn't getting beat as much by speed and power. He was getting beat by stunts, stunts and twists. Mm-hmm. And there's a massive difference. That is a communication issue. It's a trust issue between your interior offensive linemen to know who's going to hand off to who and who's going to pick up the, t- the, the twist of the stunt. Um, that, is a, that is a sign of progress for the individual player. But it's also a sign that the group as a whole still needs time together to figure out some of those communication issues. 
Yeah. Um, and it, it's something that they're going to have to face head on with this Jets group. But that's yep. actually it's funny that you bring that up because that's absolutely something that we talked about today. And I really found really fascinating with Arthur Smith's kind of straight up being like this defensive front for the Jets, their coordinated rush plans are the best you will see in this league. Yep. And, and asking, I asked Matt Ryan about it when we talked to him and he was like, and I basically, I, I was straight up. I was like, look, like when it comes to coordinated rush plans, it's not necessarily about confusing you. It's about confusing the offensive, offensive line. line. Like, like how, how did these guys need to be locked in? He's like, yeah, they have to, and he talked about communication and he talked about mm-hmm. kind of being where you need to be and understanding who's got your back and all that kind of stuff. And it, it all goes into it. And it's really, I'm glad that you brought it up because it gave me a chance to plug that in because that was a very <laughs> fascinating conversation that we had with both Arthur and Matt today about what the jets are doing to kind of preview a little bit, you know, it all works. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, we're, we're like synergistic. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> the best. <laughs> all right. Um, I know we're getting close to uh, time for all this and I, I could go on for like three hours, but that is oh, a very, yeah. very bad idea. Um, so <laughs> I want to get closing thoughts from each of you, just something, you know, you guys are there every day with the team. You get to see the players, you get to talk to the coaches, you get to see some of the practice. Um, fans are looking at one and three. They're looking at, you know, if they get this Jets win, uh, you know, two and three by week, you know, maybe there's some hope. What is a big picture message that you would say as someone who is there in the trenches seeing the, the slow motion happening, Scott? Um, Tori, I'll, I'll go to you first. What is sort of a, a big picture message you would like to pass on uh, to close out this podcast about what you're seeing from this team and, and what fans should take away? Yeah, I think for me, it all goes back to the development of these rookies and the development of the guys who you know are going to be this team in 2023, 2024. Mm -hmm. And something that I've been very fascinated by was how this front office and this coaching staff were very meticulous in what veterans they brought in. And I think when you think of a guy like Lee Smith, Eric Harris, Deron Harmon, Cordero Patterson, I mean, when you, Mike Davis, when you think about these guys that were specifically brought in to be leaders in this locker room, I, I've talked to these guys over and over. I think that Eric Harris and Deron Harmon, I think Richie Grant is going to be better for playing with them. Mm-hmm. I think that Kyle Pitts is going to be better for playing with Lee Smith. So I think like when you think about big picture and you think about how, you know, maybe the, the, record or the scores aren't what you want in 2021 think about the effects that these veterans will have on the this rookie class Mm -hmm. moving forward into 2022 2023 and beyond that to me is what I see that I think other people don't see and in the conversations that I have like literally just ha- just Scott and I talked to Lee Smith the other day and and it was a great conversation about like what he believes Kyle Pitts is I mean he said he was like you know one day I want to be like 45 years old and he's still <laughs> playing and he puts on you know he puts on that jacket and like it, it's it's one of those things where it's like that's really important when you think about where this 
team is going. And I think that's really important when you think about what this coaching staff and what this front office are wanting to build down the line. There was a very, there was a lot of thought into who they were bringing in to be the centerpieces for the development of these rookies. So that's what I will put out into the universe. That's my, that's my key thought of the day and take with it what you will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Scott, she, uh, she had a good one, man. Uh, yeah, and she also gave me 90 seconds to think about my answer. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I will take it. Uh, and really refer fans when they're watching this team uh, grow and develop to, to, to two quotes. Both of them happened very recently. One uh, was is from Arthur Smith after the Giants game. Uh, you know, when he, they came back in the fourth quarter, like, what do you want to see? And he said, I want to see if this team can take the next step. I want fans to go into every Sunday asking that question. I want to see this team team take the next step. Now we've been talking about in, incremental progress and the slow um, evolution that it takes to usher in a period of su- sustained success. Um, that's important. Uh, watch this team take the next step and combine it with what Deron Harmon said on Monday, which is this. It's time for the sense of urgency to increase right? Mm. Ron Harmon and Eric Harris and Lee Smith, they're not getting any younger. They're not taking punishment only for a paycheck, right? It's time for the sense of urgency. It's time for the sense of progress to increase. And part of the reason why those guys are here, Ron Harmon's got some rings. Lee Smith has been around the block and played in the playoffs, so on and so forth, right? Is that part of teaching these young guys, part of getting this group to do better is teaching them how to win games, Mm. teaching them how to come out of that Washington game with a W, which they should have had it's 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 about doing what you're supposed to do against the jets it's about okay like they've mastered the part where they keep swinging right even if they're losing 10 8 uh in the round they're still swinging that's Mm. good so can they take the next step with a sense of urgency that gets them to the point where they can start winning games uh we are not at the point where we should say uh, that any bad that any terrible record is absolutely acceptable i think now it's not at all Now now it's about watching them take the steps with a sense of urgency and a sense of drive that when the game is on the line, you perform well under pressure. They've done it once. They failed once. Neither one is a trend, y'all. Neither (laughs) one is a trend. It's about what we see next. I said, y'all, I'm, 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 I'm I'm rubbing off on him. (laughs) Yeah. So it's about what happens next. Take those two uh, purviews, you know, into how you evaluate the next quarter and the next quarter and the next quarter. Awesome. And one last uh, bonus question. Okay. Have you had sweet tea yet? Yes. <laughs> he no also had off. a, uh, wait, wait, wait. He also had a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit for the first time uh, yesterday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was, uh, it was a life-changing experience. Oh, there you go. Uh, Falcons PR man, David Bassetti threw one in my direction and I <laughs> caught it and I didn't realize what was in my, it was still hot, right? It was, the, the biscuit was still warm. And I, I uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a transformative experience. <laughs> it makes you want to get up early. It. Oh, uh, pretty soon you'll, you'll, uh, you'll find out the, uh, the Sunday curse where <laughs> oh, yeah. you'll start craving Chick-fil-A the uh-huh. most on Sunday. On, um, on a Sunday. And it's, on it's, a Sunday. It's, it's not going to be the sweet tea. I, I like oh, the cheese. I, I'm, 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 I'm warming. Okay. I'm warming. It's really sad. Like it's really, really sad that 
my partner in crime doesn't like sweet tea when that is like a staple of my diet (laughs) that that and um iced lattes from starbucks like that those are the two things that i drink more than water y'all i'm having chick-fil-a for breakfast i'm eating pimento cheese i'm i'm on the way okay just like the falcons Progress happened over time. It's okay? progress. Developments. Progress <laughs> happens in small step story. We have <laughs> we have come full circle. We really the have perfect the podcast. podcast. This the is like perfect podcast. I'm retiring uh, after this because this is the pinnacle. It's with Scott and with Tori. Um, oh God, like I said, I could go on forever, but I, I want to respect you guys' time. Scott, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Pitch your podcast, pitch what you guys got going on at Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and yeah, let them hear it. Yeah, uh, you can find me at, uh, at Scott Bear NFL um, on Twitter, where there's a lot of posts on Instagram, where there are very few. And uh, the final Falcons final whistle podcast on iTunes, Spotify, the website, YouTube. It's everywhere, man. And, uh, you know, check out, I guess, uh, Bear Mail. I, I can do that with emojis now. Like that's the thing I learned today. And uh, yeah, columns. And of course, you know, I mean, Tori's takeaways inside Tori. There's so many. Tori there's so many Tori things. things. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of Tori things. Yeah. They're all good. Yeah. Try to subscribe, follow all that stuff. It's going to be fun going through this process with one the way or the other. Fans. I like y'all already. I said y'all again. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can't escape it, man. It's, it's going to, no. it's going to get into your blood. All right, Tori, same from you. Tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on. Yeah, so uh, at Tori underscore McElhaney is my Twitter handle. It's also my Instagram handle if you want to see what outfits I wear to games. Um, that's <laughs> that's become like my goal of the 2021 season is like what all outfits I can put together for these games. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. I, I, I You know, I don't know what your like demographic is like for this yeah, podcast, but, but if like, there are some ladies out there like that that want to to follow along on this fashion adventure. Also, guys too. Like by all means, like y'all got to look good too. Um, so <laughs> all of that to say, I, I'm I've gone off on a tangent. We have the the wagon is falling over the cliff. Um, yes. So <laughs> here, okay. So at Tori underscore McElhaney, my actual work, uh, not what I'm wearing. Uh, I do Falcons daily almost every single day. I do five things to watch every single Saturday. And then we have Tori's takeaways, Tori's tidbits, and then also inside Tori's notebook, which is my absolute favorite thing to do every single week, which is to take you kind of inside my game day notebook and show you kind of what I'm thinking. It doesn't, it's, I always say it's a notebook that doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's a lot of fun. I, I talk about Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Scott gives me a hard time about it and it's fine. <laughs> but that's that's all the things, like all, all those things wrapped into one nice bow and I'm sure you'll get uh, more alliterations in some form or another as the season goes on. I mean, so nerdy. She writes that on a computer with a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sticker on it while wearing a Star Wars Rebel Alliance cap. Oh this my god. True. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so I will say I don't know what the female demographic is, but that <laughs> is one hundred percent going to 
uh, get the alcoholic listeners going. That's, yeah, that that's, is going to play. That's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that I, maybe play. that's what I need to post on like Instagram more is like my Star Wars and MCU stuff. Like that's it. <laughs> that's, that's that's the that's where the demographic will hit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we we have hit on like so many pop culture references. I'm gonna have to go back and like make sure I'm not gonna get shut down by Disney for posting this podcast. Oh so. man, I mean, I if you really want to, I could talk for two hours on BTS and Taylor Swift, but I, <laughs> okay. I'll say. Hey, well, you know what? I think we're out of time. We're out of time on the Falcoholic Podcast. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, as for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, and of course, our articles daily at Falcoholic.com. So for Scott Bear and Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com, This is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.